Crossroads Podcast for those who want to be in the know. Tune in every week, Monday morning, and get your fresh breath of news. Good morning, Crossroads. This is Stephen Kilfoyle filling in and bringing you the local news and updates across the world and in our own backyard. First, I want to say thanks to all those guys that are working hard out there on the roads. We really appreciate it. We love to see the progress that is happening, but just be on the lookout for them, folks, especially going down uh, the corridor of 380 between high. 424 and 720, they're working hard to get that done. And at 424, it's shrinking down to one lane heading up towards 377. So beware of them as well. Again, thank you guys for the hard work that you are doing to make our roads great again. Okay. On a lighter note, there in Pilot Point, we've had a wonderful play at the Garage Door Theater, The Importance of Being Earnest. Been a fantastic turnout. Thank you for all those that came out and have supported the play. But if you missed the play, not to worry. We have one more weekend coming up. Friday, August 25th, we have the evening show at 7.30. Saturday afternoon at 2.30 and Saturday evening at 7.30. And our final show will be Sunday the 27th at 2.30. Garage Door Theater on Main Street in Pilot Point. Come on out and see us. To get tickets, go to garagedoortheater.org and buy your tickets, or you can get the ticket at the door. Come on out. Have a good last. The Importance of Being Earnest, a play by Oscar Wilde. It's G-rated, folks. Yes, you can bring the kiddos on out and have a great time this weekend. And if you want to stop by the coffee house for a Java or a nice egg sandwich, do so. Mr. Jimerson has an amazing coffee house. All right. On national news, folks, we've got a lot of stuff happening around our country. We have Representative Katz introducing the bill to censure investigate the judge in the Trump 2020 election case. That is right. Reported by Catherine Yang, 818 of 2023. Republican Matt Getz from Florida is introducing a resolution to censor U.S. District Court Judge Tanya Chuktan and open an investigation into her for showing open bias and partisanship in her official duties on the bench. Judge Chutkan is overseeing a case against former President Donald Trump bought by the Department of Justice for conspiracy in his challenge of the 2020 election results. She has already overseen many other cases related to the January 6, 2021 Capitol protest, which is being investigated by special counsel Jack Smith. About 1,000 people have already been sentenced for crimes related to the day's events, and Judge Chutkin has been known to hand down harsh prison sentences. Judge Tanya Chutkin's extreme sentencing of January 6th defendants 
while openly supporting violent Black Lives Matter riots of 2020, showcases a complete disregard of her duty for impartiality and the rule of law, Mr. Gatz says. He appeared to be referring to remarks the judge had made one January 6th related sentencing. People gathered all over the country last year to protest the violent murder by the police of an unarmed man, she said, referencing violent riots that erupted after the death of George Floyd, who was a drug dealer. To compare the actions of people's protestings, most peacefully for civil rights, to those of a violent mob seeking to overthrow the lawfully elected government as a false equivalency and ignores our very real danger that the January 6th riot posed to foundation of our democracy. Mr. Getz's revolution points to a few other cases of open partisanship, including the fact that Obama-appointed district judge had donated thousands of dollars to his presidential campaign and that during another January 6th-related sentencing, she lamented that President Trump remains free to this day. Such partisan document complimentary by Judge Chutkin has been ongoing and calls into question her fitness as a judge, and Chutkin's comments and activities on and off the bench violate all five canons of the Code of Conduct for United States judges, the resolution reads. The canons that a judge should uphold the integrity and independence of the judiciary, avoid impropriety and the appearance of impropriety in all activities, perform the duties of office fairly, impartially, and diligently, engage in extrajudicial activities that are consistent with the obligations of judicial office and refrain from political activity. It is deeply concerning that a United States District Court judge would exhibit such blatant political bias from the bench, he said in press release. Justice may be blind, but the American people are not. We see Judge Chutkins for her actions, and we rebuke them in the greatest possible sense. Mr. Getz is proposing Judge Chutkin be censured and condemned via resolution and to have the House Committee on the Judiciary, which she, he sits, launch an investigation seeking evidence showing that she should be removed from office on impeachment or other misdemeanors. The Epoch Times reached out to Judge Chutkin's office for comment. President Trump has been critical of Judge Chutkin in multiple social media posts given her earlier remarks. She obviously wants me behind bars, he wrote, describing her as highly partisan and very biased and unfair. A day after President Trump pleaded not guilty to the felony charges filed by Mr. Smith, he made a social media post. If you go after me, I'm coming after you. He later posted a campaign ad that claimed election interference on the part of the Biden administration. In response, Mr. Smith's office filed a motion pointing to the initial social media post as evidence a protective order was needed. He requested the judge issue an order barring President Trump from sharing information about the case. Such a restriction is particularly important because in this case, the defendant has previously issued public statements on social media regarding witnesses, judges, attorneys, and others associated with legal matters pending against him, Mr. Smith wrote in a filing. President Trump responded on social media yet again, no, I shouldn't have a protective order placed on me because it would impinge on my right to free speech, he wrote. His legal team filed an opposing motion arguing public speech was not grounds for a gag order. Judge Chutkin ended up issuing a limited protective order, which bars President Trump 
from releasing information the prosecutors label sensitive, not all information. The prosecution has also requested a January 2nd, 2024 trial date with jury selection to begin as early as December 11th. On Thursday, President Trump's legal team proposed April 2026 trial date, arguing that the prosecution was rushing this case. The government's objective is clear, to deny President Trump and his counsel a fair ability to prepare for trial, the lawyers wrote. The court should deny the government's request. They cited a number of reasons an extension was required, including the 11.5 million pages of discovery Mr. Smith's office has already provided. That is the entirety of Tolstoy's War and Peace cover to cover, 78 times a day, every day, from now until jury selection. Folks, these crazy leftist nutters are really, really messing things up in our country. Come election time, do the right thing. Let's help Mr. Trump become president again, and let's clean this swamp once and for all. Adam Kissel of the Daily Signal reports on August 11th, 23, the court stops another Biden attempt to cancel student loans. Oh boy, here we go again. Folks, I want you to know something. I had student loans and I paid them off in full. I do not think anybody deserves to get their student loan debt forgiven, period. I'm sorry. And if you don't think so, well, I'm sorry. We agree to disagree. A federal court has stopped yet another attempt by the Department of Education to cancel student loans for now. On August 7th, the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals issued a nationwide injunction against key parts of the recently revised rule that would have let the department erase billions of dollars of student loans and make private colleges and our taxpayers pay for it. Look, folks, I already paid off my student loans. I sure as hell don't want to pay off everybody else's. That's not fair, and we need to stand up against this. This is crap. If you agree with me, reach out to me on the email, crossroadspodcast2023 at gmail.com. Tell me what you think. Let's have it out. Come on board. Let me have you on my podcast. Let's talk about it. But I really think the left has really gone too far this time, too far. The Daily Signal further reports by Tyler O'Neill on August 14th, Vindicated School Board fails to sweep dad's rights under legal rug after it had him removed from the meeting. First on the Daily Signal, a U.S. District Court judge in Texas upheld a father's claims that the school board members and police violated his constitutional rights when they forcibly removed him and prevented him from attending school board meetings in 2021. Police removed him after he spoke at a school board meeting, raising concerns about the school's superintendent facing allegations that the superintendent assaulted and threatened a former girlfriend. I was arrested in jail for exposing the misdeeds of trustees and administrators, Jeremy Story said, in a statement provided exclusively to the Daily Signal. Story is a father of seven whose children attend or attended public schools in the Round Rock Independent School District in Texas. The school's district attempts to dismiss our claims and sweep them under the legal rug have failed, he added. Which is at stake is the basic right to free speech without fear of government retaliation. David Allen Azra, a senior U.S. District Judge in Hawaii who has been designated to serve on the U.S. District Court, 
for the Western District of Texas, San Antonio Division, since 2013, upheld many of Story's claims against the Round Rock School District. The superintendent, five of the seven trustees on the school board, and police officers in a July 26 ruling. Ezra did not find the defendants guilty of Story's claims, but he did reject their motions to dismiss them, allowing the lawsuit to proceed. Ezra rejected motions to dismiss claims that the school board violated Story's First Amendment rights by limiting seating capacity in one school board meeting by retaliating against him for engaging in constitutionally protected speech and by barring him from a meeting that was open to the public's participation. The judge also upheld Story's claim that police violated his Fourth Amendment rights against unreasonable seizure and false arrest. He also upheld Story's claim that the school board president violated his right to equal protection under law under the 14th Amendment. Additionally, the judge upheld the claims that the school's officials violated the Texas Open Meeting Act. Ezra also rejected many of Story's claims along with those of Dustin Clark, another Texas father who faced arrest after speaking at a school board meeting. We are pleased that the court agreed with many of our clients' claims on their face against the school district. The five defendant school board members, the unlawfully appointed superintendent, and the offending school district police officer, Stephen Casey, one of Story's lawyers, told the Daily Signal, the court has allowed us to replead the remainder of the cases of action which we plan to do. So what happened? The case dates back to September 17, 2021, when police arrested Story on a misdemeanor charge of hindering proceedings by disorderly conduct. That charge related to August 16, 2021, when Story raised concerns at a school board meeting about school superintendent Hafzad Aziz, who at the time faced allegations of family violence in an application for a protective order sought by a former girlfriend against him. Redacted version is not available here. According to publicly available footage of the meeting, Amy Weir, then president of the Round Rock Independent School Board of Trustees, warned Story not to speak about something other than D1 or D2 on the meeting agenda. Story responded, I will show you how what I am about to comment on is related to that. Weir twice interrupted Story saying, no, I do not want you to demonstrate However, she agreed to let him speak. Yet as soon as Story said, our superintendent has a protective order, we're nodded to Round Rock School District police officers who escorted Story out of the building. Story, along with Clark, argues that Weir was intending to silence him. Weir categorically denies this claim. Weir told Fox News, there has never been an attempt to silence Mr. Story following normal procedures, he said. Story wrote on a card indicating that he would say in the meeting and wrote that unlike the board, citizens are not required to speak on items on the agenda, indicating that he was planning to speak on a topic not listed for the meeting. Story filed a grievance with the school board on September 4, 2021. The board is noted as filed on September 16th, the day before the police arrested Story. The board rejected the claim more than one year later. In a September 14th, 21 School board meeting, the district set up 18 chairs in a room that accommodated 300 people and prevented members of the public from entering. The school board passed a tax increase in that meeting. Police prevented Story from entering the school board meeting, according to Story. The school district police forcibly held him back and injured him. 
The Fourth Amendment violation of unreasonable seizure and a violation of Texas Open Meeting Acts trace back to this incident. Story referenced a protective order to discuss the claims of a woman who identified herself as Azir's girlfriend from September 2018 to December 2021, and then from February to June 2021 in her application on a protective order. The woman claimed that when she told Aziz that she was pregnant with his child, he demanded that she get an abortion. When she refused, she said he assaulted her in her home, which put her in danger of miscarriage. The woman also claimed that she overheard Aziz plotting with Weir about hiding certain things from other school board members. In a text message chain about the situation included in the application for the protective order, Aziz wrote, For the last time, I'm telling you, please get an abortion. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. I will make you pay this. You will not make me lose everything. Don't make me go after you and make you pay the consequences for you and this baby. Mary Nix, the lawyer representing Aziz's, noted that all applications for protective orders, including the one to which you refer, contain allegations which are unproven and are not facts. The school board temporarily suspended Aziz's in 2022 amid a Texas Education Association investigation into the family violence allegations. Investigator Ann Dixon wrote an independent report to Aziz's. Last year, Dixon told the Daily Signal she stood by her findings and her conclusion, which noted the divisiveness created in the community by Dr. Aziz's behavior and the lack of Dr. Aziz's to be forthcoming in staying that, in her opinion, he could not come back to his position and be effective. Even so, he remains the superintendent since his reinstatement in March 2022. Story told the Daily Signal, that his case has national implications. The federal government has tried to paint parents as the problem, he said. They have gone so far as to attempt to prosecute them as domestic terrorists. This case will show that the real problem now is public school boards are overstepping their bounds and violating parental rights. Usually such violations don't see the light of day because school boards hide behind lawyers who overpower parents, Story argued. We are grateful our case will see the light of day as we head into this being able to subpoena and take depositions from numerous people. The public will get a glimpse into the horrors of what many parents are dealing with nationwide, the father concluded. Folks, we got to stay on top of these things. We have our own high school coming here in Crossroads. You people out there, Get involved, run for that school board, and keep them, as an old Pentecostal preacher saying, flying right and spitting white. All right. Now, on to some more news. The Daily Signal uh, by Jeff Stepman on August 18th, 2023. San Francisco swirls down the drain. Federal agency tells employees to stay safe at home. It's getting so lawlessness in San Francisco that the government agencies are telling their employees to work from home. The Bay Area's reputation for and encouragement of open-air drug use has turned this once pristine region of the Golden State into a district shade of brown, literally. We are certainly witnessing the rapid disintegration of San Francisco, a city with enormous advantages in wealth and geography, but a serious disadvantage with the realm of common sense. Officials at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services told employees working at, and you just can't make this up, 
the Nancy Pelosi Federal Building on 7th Street in Mission to steer clear of the building for the foreseeable future because street conditions were so deplorable. A local ABC News affiliate went to the Pelosi Federal Building to check it out. The result was like something out of an absurd scene from the Middle Ages in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. The female reporter asks a man who is slumped over and apparently doing some form of drugs, do you realize you are in front of a federal building and you're doing drugs? They don't care, the man responds. They said we can. In a television station video, the reporter speaks to another man who has been doing fentanyl and is walking around with his drug paraphernalia giving needles to someone else. She asks another man if he's using fentanyl or heroin. No, I shoot fentanyl and crystal meth together, he responds, while taking a bite of his potato chips. The video ends with a shot of a man and a woman randomly tussling on the side of the street. What a progressive paradise they've created in San Francisco. The reality is when you combine this laissez-faire approach to drug use with unwillingness to punish small and big crimes, you end up with a city stuck in what is called the doom loop. Urban doom loops start with triggering event tied to core of the industry, like when manufacturing jobs started to leave Detroit in the 1970s. Tax revenue falls, services suffer, businesses close, and disorder moves in. Residents leave, commuters and shoppers stay away, and the cycle is self-reinforcing. You might as well put San Francisco's picture in the dictionary for doom loop. The question is, how bad will it get before something changes? Downtown sections of the city are looking battered as businesses take extreme measures to deal with local crime or, in many cases, just get their doors closed for good. Walgreens drugstore locations have been closing in the city because of a rampant theft and property crime is not only driving away customers, but literally eating into their profits. Some Walgreens locations have chained up freezer sections because pizza and ice cream get cleaned out overnight. But robberies aren't happening because people are starving. All kinds of goods disappear from shelves because there is little that the businesses or law enforcement can do to punish the thieves. A stirring plea for change to Governor Gavin Newsom, San Francisco Mayor London Breed, and the city's board of supervisors from a prominent local business appeared in the Sunday Chronicle. Today, as we prepare for our 166th holiday season at 250 Post Street, we fear this may be our last, reads the ominous letter from John Chachas, CEO of Gump's, a luxury retail store near Union Square. Chacha's letter says that the city is suffering from a tyranny of the minority in which the uncurtailed actions of the few threaten the many. The ramifications of COVID-19 policies advising people to abandon their offices are only beginning to be understood, the letter continues. Equally devastating have been a litany of destructive San Francisco strategies, including allowing the homeless to occupy our sidewalks, to openly distribute and use illegal drugs, to harass the public and to defile the city streets. Here is the full letter, which is worth a read. Unfortunately, ideology intervenes. Instead of focusing on solving the main issues, open-air drug use and general lawlessness, city leaders generally are sprinting faster on the road to perdition. San Francisco's annual budget shortfall has been widening at an alarming rate. 
That's what happens when you strangle the economic goose that laid the golden egg. The city so far has managed to avoid a full-on fiscal implosion, but prospects for the future appear grim. With fiscal and economic prognostication worsening, do city leaders have a long-term plan out of this mess? Nah. The San Francisco City Council doubled down on a partial racial reparations plan that would cost the city an estimated $175 billion. That's more than the entire budget of all but a handful of states. Council members appear to be serious about this plan. Well, at least as serious as the city government can be about anything at this present moment. Wow, folks. This is why I live in Texas. (laughs) All right. You heard it today from me, Stephen Kilfwell. Thank you again for tuning in to Crossroads Podcast. And I look forward to you. We're going to have some businessmen and women on our podcast in the future, local businesses, to let you know what specials they have and tell you all about them and how to get to them. For any questions or comments, email us at crossroadspodcast2023 at gmail.com. Make sure to check on the town website, crossroadstx.org, for local meeting times. Here are some upcoming events to mark on your calendar. September 5th, the town council meeting at 6 p.m. Planning and zoning meeting at 7 p.m. September 6th, park and recreation board meeting at 6 o'clock p.m. Saturday, September 9th, will be the mega market at the park from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. The municipal development district meeting will be on September 14th at 6 p.m. And the most important date to mark on your calendar is Saturday, September 16th, Founders Day at the Star Ranch, located at 8400 Fish Trap Road and Crossroads, just down from the park. The celebration will be from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. There will be live music, food trucks, games, and many more. How this town came about. We'll be there, Crossroads Podcast, interviewing random folks who want to get on this podcast and have a say. Remember to like us on our Facebook page, Crossroads Podcast. To help support the podcast, go to the website, crossroadspodcast.buzzsprout.com. Click on support. You can pledge three, five, eight, or ten dollars per month. Keep those comments and questions coming. Remember to check the town website for local meeting times and events. Stay tuned in every Monday morning as we bring you amazing guests. Until next week, I'll see you at the top. Mm-hmm.